Happy Sunday afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Excalibros. Yay! Sunday evening to anyone in other than the States. Or whatever time, place, location, dimension you're listening to, this is the Excalibros. Uh, we have a kind of a special episode this week, don't we, Dan? Yes, we're jumping um, into a specific dimension this time around. Which is the Age of Apocalypse. Unlike the Age of X-Men, this one actually makes sense. <laughs> it isn't, isn't really long. Um, it feels <laughs> less long, anyway. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, separate coherent stories that all lead to a, you know, thought-out endpoint. It all makes sense. It's, it's like people who knew how to make comics make comics. Yeah. Pretty much, but anyway. Um... <laughs> so this week we're talking about Generation Next, like we mentioned. We're also going to cover um, Astonishing X-Men and uh, Excalibur, X-C-A-L-I-B-R-E, um, because those have some characters that we focus on as well. Hi. Well, we'll probably dive into Excalibur um, <laughs> more in about... A year's time, two years, three years time. Right, we right. Finally catch up right. To it. Uh, yeah, which is we're not going to read all twelve issues here. This is more like while we're here, we can give a little summary on on these other uh, books. Uh, it'll provide a nice little backstory for Blink as well because we didn't really cover this when we started. Um, um, what's the book? Exiles. Exiles. Yes. Um, so that'll that'll be nice. We kind of just hinted that, she, well, we, we said she came from it, but we right. didn't go into it. Um, but yes, we, we're, we're returning to the world where America is dead, um, which is the thing that is said on every single back of every graphic novel I have oh, <laughs> about right, this. Right, it just right. massive letters. I forgot. That, that was the, the big pitch. America is dead. Which uh, is kind of relevant um, and current at the same time as well. It, it definitely so. is. So, in Age of Apocalypse, uh, there was a was it, it was like Legion Legion something the event that happened right before. Do you remember the name? Legion Legion Quest. Legion Quest. Well, Legion decided he was going to go back in time and kill Magneto so that Professor X could fulfill his dream. But uh, Professor X like dove in front of Legion's blast and then he killed his father. So without Professor X, um, Apocalypse was able to basically take over the world. And so it's called the Age of Apocalypse. And so we've got most of our X characters in one way or another, you know, shifting some are villains, some are heroes, some a few new characters. It's 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 kind of an interesting and, and well thought out um, series. So uh, that's sort of the backbone. Um, what do you want to do, Astonishing or Excalibur first? Um. Well. We'll do. We'll do. Which one? Mm, astonishing actually leads to the actual finale, doesn't it? I think. Yes, it does. Uh, so, basically, each book, when it when they all got reverted into um, the Age of Apocalypse, had a mission statement or a mission or, that they were all going to do, um, and which, like Georgie said, is a much more well thought out plan than other events we know of, and this is all because Bishop exists in this universe and remembers the way it used to be 
and has talked to Magneto, and Magneto's like, well, if we could make a better world, we should do it. So he goes to each individual team, or should I say each book, and says, you do this, you do that, you do this. And um, Astonishing kind of like is the through line to the end of of it. I think the final issue of Astonishing goes straight into the, the sort of, because it started with, is it X, Alpha and Omega? Alpha is the, the, the first like 40 issue, a uh, 40 page issue. And the, the last issue is X-Men Omega, which is also like 40 pages. And so Astonishing goes straight in, into Omega. And each one of the books, um, for example, there's a Gambit and the externals, uh, where they have to go find the Emcron crystal, that's theirs. And each one of the books will have an effect on Omega and is the reason it all sort of works out in the end. And if we deal with Excalibur first, um, her and her and his mother, Mystique, are working together for their little mission. And it is, prob- out of the three we read, it's probably the most classically 90s looking out of the three we read. Um with uh, Ken Lashley on art and I don't know about you but I'd say it's probably the most sort of straightforward um, yeah visually and, 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 and in general yeah and I would say like there's there's a 90s there's like a mid to there's a mid 90s which is like Liefeld 90s right and then there's an yeah. early 90s which is still coming off of the late 80s and it's a little maybe uh you can feel the difference. And then there's a late 90s, which is like, I feel is more anime-inspired looking for all the characters. But this this definitely feels like an early 90s book. And I, I don't know about you, but I had a few pangs of nostalgia reading it just for like the art style. I do. And I do quite like uh, Age of Apocalypse's um, Nightcrawler look with the sort of semi-armor and his little weird little red scar down his face and his two swords. Um, yeah. Is that a scar? It's like tattoos. I, I thought they all had like weird tattoos. I think it is like a little tattoo, but it kind of reminds me of, um, oh God, um, Psylocke's Crimson Dawn. Right. Thing that happened in the 90s <laughs> and was forgotten. I, I remember when I read this as a kid, really liking this book. I mean, I was a Nightcrawler fan and I, I yeah. liked seeing him showcased this way. And this was... This is a, he's still like a fun Nightcrawler, but it's like a black humor Nightcrawler. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's weird because um, obviously in later interpretations when they revisit the Age of Apocalypse, um, there's like uh, Uncanny X-Force, that Nightcrawler is like a psych, almost like a psychopath. <laughs> yeah, this this Nightcrawler to... comes to the 616 universe for a while. Yes. He Which does, is weird. And then he is a little bit. Yeah. He's a little bit cutty, stabby. Yeah, and in, but um, and to be honest, no offense to Excalibur, but I feel like their mission has the least effect on the overall. Um, yeah, they just need you to verify the story, and that's what they're doing. They're just verifying Bishop. Yep, that's literally all it is, isn't it? And I feel like that's like the least effective, outside of X Factor, is the, is the least effective because X Factor kind of showcases the dark side. Because um, Cyclops and Havoc are part of the enemy team, and it kind of showcases what it's like to be part of the enemy team mm-hmm. and Dark Beast's like little regime. Yeah, that's where we get um, Dark Beast. And then what Weapon X is it showcases you, you are, you are Asia. I think the continent is like yes, yeah, yeah, come together to because humans live on Europe and Asia, and they've just called themselves Euro Asia. And Gene and 
um, Logan help protect them and then are sent on a mission, aren't they, to uh, yeah. go and infiltrate yeah. America, yeah. which gets them to the end point. Yes, it um, does. Like, like I said, Gambit Styles is the MCON crystal. Uh, X-Man is just to get young Nate Gray into position, essentially. It's really kind of boring. Uh, it is. It really is. For for the for the the concept is that Sinister created a weapon to defeat Apocalypse because he just wants power, um, which is fine. But for four issues, it's just kind of like a whiny cable, just walking around until he has to get to where he needs to be. Yeah, <laughs> That's it. yeah. It's. Um, hmm. But yes, and. But for Excalibur, I'll... we've got our, you know, we've got Kurt. He's he's sent to. Uh, the Savage Land, which has been renamed Haven, right? And uh, he's supposed to hook, uh, like, meet up with his mom, who's sort of ferrying people back and forth, and she's being pretty shady about it, and to uh, meet up with Destiny so they can bring Destiny back. And we get cameos from, like, Juggernaut, who's like a monk. Um, We get Doug Ramsey, who is down there using his powers to make sure people from all different nations can talk to each other. Um, And Apocalypse sends out a dead man Wade, who is obviously Deadpool, and Danny Moonstar, and a new character called Damask, uh, to go and assassinate uh, Kurt and to destroy uh, Haven. Pretty straightforward, but it's kind of fun. It's kind of a fun ride. It's kind of like I put it in the middle tier of of yeah. Age of Apocalypse, but it's kind of fun. There, there are but, a few um... moments I really love, like when uh, Damask first sees Nightcrawler, she kind of like falls in love with him. And uh, <laughs> when they meet, she's like, come closer. And she breathes on his, his cheek and she sees the fur like uh, moving around. She's like, just like I thought, velvet. And she's just totally smitten with him. Uh, I, lo- I love that moment. It's kind of cute, to be fair. Mm. But um, all in all, because uh, it's written by Warren Ellis as well, who just took a pen uh, for Excalibur, the main series, I think, around this time as well. Um which is an interesting era in itself. And it's kind of not really trademark Warren Ellis. It's kind of just sort of in its own entity. It still feels like an X-book rather than a Warren Ellis X-book. Right, right. If that makes anything. Yep. Um, I don't think he... But then I, I don't think it needs his stamp on it. Like, none of the books feel like the the writers of the normal series have kind of stamped these books. It feels like there's a specific creative vision that everyone's actually following. Yes, yeah. Um and it was just like, but yes. But aside, aside from, uh, I'd say, if you're going to read it, um, Ex- Excalibur would be the sort of nice, sort of easy read um, until you got to one of the boring ones or one of the good ones, to be honest. Right. Yeah. Which 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 leads us to my personal favorite out of all of them, mm-hmm. which is um, it is a, yeah, it's astonishing X Men. Yes, it is. With, with uh, Joe Mad on art, which just blows most people out of the water with yeah. his um, hyper anime inspired mm-hmm. muscles, cheesecake crazy. And and when you remember Age of Apocalypse, it's his designs in that book that everyone yes, will remember. Yes, yes. Uh, um, this is where we get the Age of Apocalypse blink. Uh, she had appeared in Fatal Attractions maybe like a year, a year and a half beforehand, and there had been some fan outcry to see. You know, they were sort of disappointed she wasn't in more, so they reimagined her for this series. And when I saw she was in there, I was super stoked. I was like, finally, we get to see Blink. 
and she has a complete like she's she's been given a slightly tweaked kind of power set, um, oh. as she did in because in Valance Convent she seems to like slice through people and blink them. Yeah, it's a bit weirder. Whereas now she's got like little energy darts that open portals or teleport people, and she looks very much like a D and D dressed in like a D and D garb. Yeah, and um, she's like, personality-wise as well. She's got a lot of confidence, and she's like a fighter. Where you know Claire from uh, when we first year is just like a, a shy, scared, like beaten girl. So it's it's a good, it's like a nice reboot for her. And on top of that, they have the best version of Saber Tooth in the same book, as he's a good Saber Tooth um, with his uh, best friend on a leash, Wild Child, who's mm-hmm. completely feral. And then we have the awesome Morph, who is amazing in it. Um, the team's headed up by Rogue, who is really interesting design. I like Age of Apocalypse's Rogue oh, design. Yeah. And then we have the fantastic visual that is Sunfire. He that, just that costume is so great. Oh my god, it just really is. And the main villain is um, Holocaust, um, who as well is an amazing visual presence. Oh yeah. And the book, the book essentially is just um, the mission, so to speak, for them, is essentially to free humans in, in, in the roundabout way. They don't really have like a, a defining um, mission because Rogue kind of argues slightly with Magneto at the beginning and they sort of... Um, she goes off to save loads of people in the pens, mm-hmm. which is where clues, clues came from anyway and then obviously to sunfire has a massive vendetta against um holocaust and there's a really interesting flashback of him being drowned in blood um (laughs) before he's like burned with his powers Mm -hmm. and then obviously um we get iceman near the end who joins joins iceman in age of apocalypse is amazing it's like they really went okay if this is an omega level mutant let's like really use those powers yeah, he's like living ice. There's no, there's no like denying. Mm-hmm. Um, he just, he just can be anywhere and anything. Um, and yeah, it's really just a really kinetic um, and straightforward story, which really works. It's very much character driven as mm-hmm. opposed to like plot driven. Oh, it, it definitely and, is. The bond between Sabretooth and uh, Blank is is. I was still struck by it uh, reading it. You know. 20 years later it was, it was just perfect and it, it it feels more like rogue is getting the wayward like a wayward group of of mutants together right at the end they're all like forged in the fires of right and bobby's like we should really go help the final fight sort of thing right at the very end mm-hmm. and it's kind of like yep yeah. and it feels like that's what this book was that book was always going to be about rather than a singular mission it felt more like it was about because they were all all over the place, the team at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, it isn't until like issue three that they all sort of mostly coalesce together as a main team. So I really enjoy yeah. it. I think it's just like a perfect snapshot of that era as well. Um, it's like what good nineties comics can be. Oh, definitely. And um, it's definitely the one that you should definitely go out of your way to read. Yeah, um, when I. Or, was younger. I think my favorite, and maybe still is, was the Generation Next book because that was just the right age and just so close to those characters. Um, and I love the Bakalo artwork, so it was that uh, it, it's still hard to for this to top it. But this is, if not, if if Gen Next is the one A, then this is like the one B for me. Uh, it's very close. Uh, it's, yeah, they are both, both great. 
it's really, it's, it's really kinetic weird. and fun and humorous and heartfelt and you feel the, like the character motivations really well and the artwork is gorgeous i mean there's really no fault with this book because it's really weird because if you read it in conjunction with the other the amazing x-men the amazing x-men is more about the veterans of the war yeah fighting together and it it's got a really different feel and obviously a different artwork from uh is it adam kubert who, who, who does who does amazing i can't remember it's one, one of, of the kuberts yeah and it's a really different darker tone to this one yeah um and it's and i think even though all of the books have like a, a sort of different tone to them you can just tell that gen next and astonishing just kind of rise above the rest as completely different yeah like a completely different piece of work like they're in a different reality themselves <laughs> um, and and reading well we'll get to it but i was very surprised at how violent Gen Next. Oh yeah, super. Compared to all the other Age of Apocalypse, because all the other Age of Apocalypse, there is violence, people die. This one's really dark. It's it's a suicide <laughs> mission. It, it, it you know it kind of lives up to that. So uh, yes, yeah. I also want to point out for this astonishing and just for the world as a whole. In, in this world, Rogue um, has absorbed some of Magneto's powers, um, yes. so they're able to physically touch, and it kind of leads to. They're them having a relationship and having a, a son who they named Charles. So she's she's a different character because of that as well. Yes, very much so. Um, I just love the, I liked him in a leadership role, and I know that oh, they yeah. sort of like dragged is it Joseph in the normal universe and tried to make a romance there uh-huh. happen because everyone really loved the Age of Apocalypse, Rogue and right. it's like two different people. Exactly, you can't just like constantly mimic. You can't always have nostalgia. Right. It goes wrong. I do like it. Well. In her costume here, she's got like the, the collar that's very reminiscent of Magneto to show like she's it's like a family emblem sort of a thing going on. Yeah, because isn't because um, Sabretooth and Morph have kind of similar collars. And yeah, similar exactly. Look. Yeah. I do think that the Astonishing Team unify look uniformly like they're in a uniform as opposed to the other x-men oh, yeah. randomly random in, in costumes yeah so. i will say like i do like that in, in in amazing uh dazzler gets a little bit of time to shine uh which is nice because at that point in time she wasn't really being used and um magneto who is who is like magneto's like number number two at the time exodus yeah he, he exodus. yeah yeah exactly he gets to appear. <laughs> He's like, isn't he going out with Dazzler? Something it like feels that. Like yeah. like, I quite like that. Uh, I really like um, talking about Generation X. We have to talk about Banshee. And I really do like that um, Banshee's costume is really interesting. And he is um, a main member of the X-Men. And he does sacrifice himself by destroying one of the horsemen i believe yeah i think he, it's abyss yeah it's abyss he, he like flies into him and, and uses his sonic scream to blow him up and sort of either get lost in that other dimension or, or die in the in the process and it is nice to see um quicksilver have a dad that's proud of him for once <laughs> yeah yeah it's a different magneto and it's a magneto I, I i think a lot of people really enjoy which was he's he's not charles but he is like the father figure and He's tougher because the world they live in is tougher, but he also has a nice relationship with his 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 kids. Well, his kid, uh, because Holocaust 
Before he was Holocaust, he was Nemesis, and he killed Scarlet Witch. So Scarlet Witch isn't around uh, at this point. Yeah. But him Which and, leads and Quicksilver are nice. Yeah. And it, it was nice to see, because X-Men Alpha is such a weirdly fast... It's quite a fast-paced um, setting the world right. But yeah, anyway, we yeah. should really talk about Generation yeah. X. But um, Astonishing is great. Yes. But um, how, 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 how do you want to do this? Like, properly go into each one? Or do you want to, like, summarize the, the plot and then just go through of I, highlights? Um, boy, it'll, you know, it's four issues. We usually do three issues. Then um, might as well just go for it. Yeah, yeah. So, creative team. It's the... It's, well, I wouldn't say it's all exactly the same creative team uh, as the regular series. But the main, the main uh, people are still there. We've got uh, writers Lobdell, we've got Bacalo doing pencils, uh, inker is Mark Buckingham, and colors they have Steve uh, Bucciolato and Electric Cram. I hope he, they're just like citing his actual Electric Crayon. Like, <laughs> <He's> rather than... <laughs> company. Rather than, rather than the company. So yes. on the, the front um, cover, what do we have here, Dan? We have our Age of Apocalypse team. Which, as a young man, I didn't know half of them when you look at them, because they're all totally different. But <laughs> the one that's most identifiable straight away is those Colossus in a bandana and who looks ripped to hell and ready to beat the living crap out of everything and everyone. He's and ferocious, I'll be honest, yeah. And the only other one that I recognized when I first looked at this cover was Magneto. The rest, I couldn't... Obviously, now I could tell you. Mm-hmm. But if you looked at this and you were like, Never knew the Gen X kids, or only knew the Gen X kids. You still couldn't guess who was who. Yeah, it was maybe, tough. maybe say Skin yes. easily, and poss- possibly Jono because of the jacket. But mm. other than that, because um, we have um, Colossus, and coming out of his back, we have Kitty Pride with her Wolverine wrist gauntlets. I thought that was a nice touch. I like, I like the snicked. We get a lot of snicked. Um, then behind her we have um, Husk with um, red hair now and then behind her is Magneto and Mondo who hasn't been used in the main series much but has been alluded to yeah I love um, even in the promotion for the book they're like and then and Mondo is coming too and we've seen I think a page one of the interstitials had Mondo like sitting on a beach so we still yeah. hadn't even been introduced to his power set yet <laughs> And then um, in in the foreground we have Chamber, who doesn't have fire coming out of his mouth um, or any all of his chest. It's just like a little cross in his um, chest area. Which after watching recently watching X Men First Class, I feel like that's where they stole Havoc's idea from. Mm-hmm. Um, then we have in the shadows, uh, Skin, who looks really sinister. We have Know It All on a computer screen, who is this universe's Monet, and we have a completely new character called Vicente. Is it Vicente? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because oh, he doesn't like being called Vinny or Vin or any other. Mm-hmm. Um, and a castle in the background. Yep. And they're in a castle in Europe it, is where they're training, right? Yeah, and it looks totally classic. Like it look like it generally looks like a classic um, Generation X cover, to be honest. Oh yeah, it's um, it's gorgeous. It really is beautiful i like the, the weird because the weird sandy smoke is that new character's power isn't it um mm-hmm. so it's your typical 
over detailed, beautifully back. Like there's a lady bed for hell. Um, oh just yeah, randomly walking on something. Um, but yeah, it's super detailed. It's exactly what you expect from the book. Um, we're getting totally spoiled and. We'll all be devastated once Bacalo leaves the <laughs> the perk later on. Unfortunately, it, yeah. All I can say is we're probably going to wax lyrical about how beautiful it is because it is just stunning to look at from issue one too far. There's oh, yeah. no, no way does it like turn down the heat at all. And um, this definitely marks, I think, the first four issues of, of Gen X were sort of a, a tamer Bacalo, but this, in my mind, starts him exploring how how high he can t- turn his dial up because things are a little bit exaggerated uh, compared to the first four issues we read. Oh, yes. Also, the color work is different. Yes. Um, and I feel like there's some digital color work happening on some different um, effects color work happening with a lot of the explosions and a lot of like the power work. So. Yeah, it doesn't always work. Uh, you'll see it in a lot of the other series as well. They're really trying to incorporate some digital... Uh, coloring and effects and at the time as a kid i was like wow this looks so cool it's like a like a holographic card but looking at it now you're like ooh, they did not have this technology down yet did they because a lot of them really stand out in a bad way so we um jump straight into the action with the coolest of the cool uh chamber um jumping away from an explosion in a fantastic first page um, and another thing we have to, I have to doff my hat to Lobdell because he kind of nails everyone really oh, yeah. well. Um, What's, it's, there's so we a nice like, framing device for all the issues. They're all narrated by one member of the team or someone who's involved in the book. So this one is Jono sort of narrating what's happening. Yeah, and he, this has the this issue has the dual task of um, introducing the team, the universe, and, and also the mission. So it's actually a triple task. Um, <laughs> So it's, it's quite a lot to get through um, for a first issue. Mm-hmm. But we start off with him training in, in the woods. Um, and we see that his uh, powers are more manageable in this universe. Um, he fires his psionic energy from his chest uh, through like a machine. And um, him and uh, Paige are just having, having a bit of a bit of a spot it seems to be some sort of like um training exercise where they have so much time to like defeat each other right uh most <laughs> and this is a different page is all i'm going to say um in, in a number of ways yeah yeah so our corn fed husk is usually um shy intelligent a little bit sort of um too modest for own good and this one is hella sexual um, and really upfront about it. Uh, very, very confident. And, you know, this world is forced. You, you'll see it in the other, other books. We talked about uh, Bobby, who was able to really explore his powers. In, in this, this universe, these kids had to grow up fast and really learn how to use their powers. So they, they're, they're more adept at using them than they are in, in you know, the Generation X series. So you see that with, with especially and, with Husk. And we have to talk about the inverted costumes. So the original uh, costumes are red with yellow um, uh-huh. finishes. And this is um, like a, uh, a black with white finishing, which almost looked like the same costumes, but minus the big blue X's and stuff. Uh-huh. And they all have like little domino-y, mask-y things right. um, going on. 
Um, I really like her. She looks like a totally different character because obviously her hair's not blonde and she's now wearing like a neckerchief and such forth. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I they, love the costumes. Yeah, they are great. They so so Paige and Chamber flirt and they're interrupted by Mondo who speaks in the third person and from this is where we kind of understand his power he kind of like is or isn't he like sort of absorbs himself into stuff like the absorbing man sort of right but becomes and part he, of it yeah and he he sort of in a really interesting way and i think it's mondo is quite a lot of the time where bacalo allows himself to be a way crazy yes uh visually and so mondo like grabs him because he's just they're just annoying him um essentially for kissing and um Jono blasts his face. Uh, Husk can actually, unlike like like Georgie said, um, their powers are slightly more um, grown into. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So she can rip off the skin of her hand and make like a blade. And so she like threatens Mondo with like a little, I'd say like a diamond blade. And then explosion out of the out of the ground is uh, Colossus, who is their teacher. Um, or to- possibly torturer. Yeah, both, um, yeah. And he's like shattered Mondo. And there's like the, the picture of him coming out of the ground and Mondo's jaws slightly away from the rest of his mouth uh, and the rest of his head mm-hmm. and all of his bits and stuff. And it's a bit like, okay. And um, let's just say that's a really unique looking Colossus. For sure. Of- yeah, Colossus is a very different uh, monster uh, in this book. He's very fierce he's ruthless his his idea of training the kids is is getting them to try and kill each other in the woods and if one doesn't kill the other then they they failed the mission so he has to come in and kill kill them it's obviously he's not really trying to kill them but he's really putting that fear into them uh it's a very brutal uh sort of headmaster yeah and he basically overwhelms chamber and is probably about to crush his chest until um, Husk turns into turns her hands into acid and starts burning his his back off uh, in a great panel. Um, and like she is enjoying burning him to bits. Oh yeah, I mean we never would have thought before. Like oh yeah, she can you know rip her skin off to be you know have a new skin, or we had seen her be like you know diamond hard or something. But turning herself into an acid is like a big step out of what we thought was a possibility. And another thing that seems weirdly impossible is that um, we get introduced to the other teacher, which is um, Kitty Pride, and she sort of merges with Colossus slightly and is warped out of his metal back. Uh-huh. And she's not going to give any quarter to um, Husk as she keeps slashing at her with her Wolverine claws. Um, and Husk runs off, all slashed, sliced and diced. And she, Husk tries to fight back, but obviously Kitty's intangible and uh, just kicks her in the face. Yeah, Kitty and, is like a, a very competent fighter uh, in this book. And, all, and she's, 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 a, she's vicious. Oh, yeah. Just, just as bad as Colossus, but not... We'll get into later issues where he's almost like um, maniacal in his, his mission, where she seems to be a little bit more sane than he is. Yes. I wouldn't let these people train children. No. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
Jono um, tries to overpower Colossus. It ain't going to happen. So he sort of brings down like a forest on him. Um, as Kitty's essentially going to knife Paige in the head. Um, real weird tendrils come out of the trees and it ends up being Skin, who was in the normal universe is really uncomfortable with trying to use his powers because he doesn't want to stretch off peel his skin. In this one, he is some tendrils monster hiding in the shadows just grabbing unsuspected people what's great is um, in, in the regular book it's basically like his fingertips that he he uses to stretch new things but now it's like any part of his skin can become a tendril to come out and grab onto someone so once again this guy has really mastered the use of his powers and the way they draw him and color him obviously in the original he's just gray and looks like a melted candle mm-hmm. um mostly and here he's a little bit more firmer, but a lot more blacks and dark blues instead of grey. And his tendrils seem to come from like a dark area of his chest. Yeah. Where his chest cavity, and he's just constantly smiling with yellow eyes. Quite um, creepy, to be honest. Yeah, there's almost a bit of like nightcrawlerness to him in, in this issue, where he's hiding in the shadows. You only see part of him. He's got that sort of, you know, for lack of a better term, freakish look to him. Yeah, pretty much. And this is where, like, he's just a distraction for Paige to, like, sort of pull some of her skin off and reveal that she's some sort of energy gas form that um, Kitty can't phase through. Right. So they're they're essentially just um, beating the hell out of each other until know-it-all's, like, time. (laughs) And then the new character comes along with all of his gassy powers. I really... He can, I think he can turn into liquid and gas, can't he? Solid liquid and gas. Yeah, is yeah. Thing. And he's, like, ready to suffocate Colossus. Yeah, they're all practically ready to kill each other. The students hate the teachers, you can see that. Mm-hmm. Um, and probably vice versa, it would seem. But no, all's kind of, like, tries to put a, the kibosh on it, and then all of a sudden Magneto turns up in all of his glory in a wonderfully coloured page. And he's practically like, right... I need to. I need the teachers now. Everyone else, sort off. And um... <laughs> yeah, she's like, what, "What the fuck? I told you guys to be ready, and you're like trying to kill your your students. What is this?" Pretty much, and it's just kind of it's kind of fun dialogue. Because from uh, Jonah's perspective, not anyone, not none of the kids have seen Magneto. They've heard of him. This be like the first time that most of them have seen him, and like he lives up to the sort of the hype that everyone's given him. Mm-hmm. Um, because he just commands the room as Magneto should, and then in the like castle fortress, uh, Magneto is talking about a mission that he wants um, the kids and Colossus and Kitty to go on. And um, <laughs> you see, right? So Bishop, that is a hologram of Bishop, right? He's not just randomly stood there staring into space. <laughs> I wasn't sure, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's like because he's like, oh, this is this is Bishop. I feel, I feel like is he brought Bishop with him? He just randomly just stood there. And um, he's gotten um, know-all to psychically scan the computer database, which is dangerous because uh, Shadow King might detect her. Um, but she's done it anyway. And it, there's some animosity between Colossus and Magneto. Um, and they talk about the mission, which is to find a person who can travel through time. And they go through several files most of them either dead or vanished and kitty's like yeah a kitty's smoking by the way which is just you know you know she's 
hardcore if they're smoking. It's mm-hmm. the total nineties nineties smoking thing. And then um, we end the issue with the reveal that um, that Liliana uh, magic exists in this universe, and she has the potential because she hasn't got a mute power yet. But she has the potential to travel through time. And she's and in some have... some labor camp. Uh, yes. Right. So, uh, I mean, you, you yeah. mentioned it when we first started this issue that Lobdell and, and Bakwell have a almost a Herculean task here of introducing the characters, introducing the world, introducing uh, the mission. And I feel like they nail all three of those. Yeah, they managed to um, hit all of the... Um sort of points that you need to do in a, in a first issue to establish everything like the, the world established the dynamics between the team the teachers mm-hmm. is all there the mission is easily laid out it's a really simple mission go save someone um which is and it just uh, sort of like the the universe is because of the harsh actions of the kids you can tell that the universe is a darker more twisted version than what we already know and it kind of hits all the nail, nails on the head. Yeah, it's a great issue. I mean, do you want to rank these? Do you want to rank the whole series as a whole? Um, well, I don't. I think they're all quite. I think they. To be fair, I feel like they fire all at the same speed, so maybe rank it as a whole. Yeah, I agree. Good call. All right. So, yeah, but that was a great first issue. Yes. So how does it how how do we carry on? Uh, we've got issue number two oh, here. Issue one. Yep, and we have a page on the front cover being blasted by a gun from an unknown purple mutant with a giant nose and shaggy hair and all kinds of crazy colors going on and little details all over the place on this cover. What do you think? I think it's like really weird. It, it, almost because the mutants such a the other. Um, dude is such a typical like typical Bacello sort of visual for like his crazy villains right so it's like who who's gonna do what and there's like it's just it, the details are ridiculous yeah, I know you you wonder why I mean I guess after seeing you know looking at this book you don't wonder why but this is the reason why Bacalo can't continue on you know a series for so long he puts so much work into every issue it's too much, too much work. Yeah, too much work. He needs, he needs like two months to do one issue. I feel like you know. But uh, what do you think of the cover? Um, I don't think it's as strong as the last one, but I am all on board with it. Being, well, yeah. it's how it, crazy. It, yep, it it encapsulates what happens in the issue. It's it's visually striking. It's just not as like wow. Here's your characters. Um. So in this issue, we start off with uh, Ileana and some unknown girl in, in some sort of tunnel. And uh, as far as the creatives go, we've got a little bit of a change here. We've got uh, inks by, nope, Mark Buckingham still, nope. Let me strike that. It's the same creatives. <laughs> it's the same piece. Mm-hmm. Um, and we realize that Ileana is in this crazy, like, underground tunnel mine complex. It's... It's like creepy in the best way. The Bacalo can be creepy and decrepit and detailed and like dark. And it's like this, this two page spread. It really brings the darkness and, and like the despair of, of the location that she's in. 
it's like um, a nightmare Morlocks, and I'm, when I say Morlocks, I mean time machine Morlocks um, kind of society. Mm-hmm. So basically, all these humans in a camp live in these tunnels, um, and they're forced to 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 mine. And Ileana is looking out for the Sugar Man, who is in charge of this camp. And I feel like we just saw the Sugar Man in in uh, Uncanny, right? Wasn't he killed in Uncanny? Yeah, he was. Yeah, he was blown. Yeah, he was killed in like a Bishop backup story or something. It was... Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's pretty much it. But this is the first time we are introduced to Sugar Man, who's like a squat, almost ball-like monster character with this this tongue that can. He's almost like Toad, but with a a, a need to kill people. Yes. Um, and he he's running the camp, so Yana's like, "Hey, be quiet," to her friend because if they're not quiet, then Sugar Man will eat them. And luckily, he moves on to someone else. And uh, then we cut to another equally creepy-looking image of this weird like caravan with with skin driving with like uh uh like art not artwork what do you call it spray paint all over the sides and like a weird angle where it almost like fish-eyed and we have like a crazy digital moon in the background Uh, like the image of this 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 car is very striking yeah it's really unique because it feels at one point like it's a carriage but no horses Mm -hmm. um and the fact that it's got, it feels like, it feels like the car's almost alive. Yeah. Well, like, it has eyes and a mouth, like, full on. And is that, like, a random rabbit? Yellow rabbit? Yeah, random yellow rabbit and bottles and stuffed animals underneath it. It's, once again, all the detail. But this is a caravan. Rather, this, even though the mutants sort of run that, that mining complex, they do use some humans as, like, taskmasters or, like, leaders of... of whatever group so we have some some humans waiting for this caravan to show up so they can go into town and uh, they're talking and they go inside and they see chamber and uh one of them asks for a light and chamber just lights the whole fucking caravan up uh, and destroys them <laughs> and skin's like please you should really stop that i like the fact that it's driving off just smoke pouring out of it. oh yeah <laughs> i mean these are great looking pages here Except for some of the digital uh, sky work. Yes, the, yeah. I don't, the sky work's weird. Feels like someone just like stuck it on mm, at the end. Mm, mm. They, they definitely hadn't ironed out all the, uh, the wrinkles yet. Um, and then we cut to Colossus and Kitty, who are coming into the, uh, the mining area from another, another part uh, from the mountains, and this issue is um, narrated by Colossus, and he's all about getting his daughter back, kind of no matter the cost. And there, I don't know why they're in like these weird costumes, <laughs> because Colossus is in like these giant overalls with like a handkerchief and big red gloves, and Kitty looks like I don't know so- someone from like the old country. And why why are they dressed this way? Because they're gonna go in there to like. They're not sneaking in. They're the cavalry. So, like, they're going to be recognized. It's not like you can hide Colossus, you know, <laughs> this giant steel monster. It, it just really struck me, like, in this moment. Like, why, why are they in costumes? Like, they're going to be spotted no matter what they do. Clearly, it was just, like, they decided it would be fun to dress up or yeah, something. Sure. <laughs> so, they're trying to sneak in, and uh, 
Klaus is, is so like focused on getting his sister that he, he leaves Kitty behind and she gets kidnapped by uh, these, what are these guys called? They're like shadows? I can't remember. They're like, they're just oh. randomly stood in the shadow. Aren't they? Yeah, they're called un- undercloaks and they can like disappear in the darkness. But Colossus goes back to get Kitty, sees this dude, and they Kitty stabs him in the chest and Colossus like smashes a rock on his head. And it's it's like, yep, yeah. yeah, these are the brutal teachers that we get. It's, uh, it's, it's tough. But uh, then we cut to the spa downtown and we finally see the characters who are on the cover, which is Husk in like a... A bikini-ish thing with a, a pink sort of see-through shawl over her, and a purple mutant who's basically nude in this giant spa bubble bath, and she's supposed to be his sort of pleasure girl here, and yeah. it's a, it's a striking image for sure. It really is, and and it's just so it's it's really random because isn't he just called Quietus or Qu- Quietus? Yeah, um, and he's he's just he, it's almost as if he's just not bothered. He's just stood there. Yeah. And her washing him down. Yep, she's washing him down. He's like, where's the uh, the new girl, or the the regular girl? And she's out sick or whatever. And he starts to get suspicious. And then they start drinking a little bit afterward. And uh, Paige calls him impotent instead of important, which I thought was a nice little jab there. Um, mm-hmm. And he's, he's, he's like, all right, I'm going to get on with Husk. And then she starts to cough, and he explains that he has this little humidifier that makes other mutants sick besides him. So he realized that she is a mutant, and he smacks her with a big whack. Um, what, no, we never learn the powers of Quietus. What do you think his powers are? Um, your average super strength. Um, he seems quite average, apart from his look. Yeah. But like, he's just strong, and that's it. <laughs> But uh, visually, he's always interesting to look at. Yeah, it's just it's just crazy hair with just a nose and a mouth. Yes. <laughs> um, so after he, he he smashes uh, Husk, and then he decides that uh, he's gonna have a drink. And Husk had brought like a little flask with her, and she's like, "Please don't drink it. It's for my mother." He's like, "Your mother? Ha 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 ha." She drinks it. Uh, he drinks it. Husk smiles, and then she gets slammed against the wall. Um, and I do love the sound effect uh, words here. They really emphasize what's going on. Like when she gets slammed, like the words are all are cracking in the same way that the wall is cracking. Yeah, it's really nice. Um, but you know, Dan, um, Quietus didn't drink just some liquid. He drank Vicente, who decides to explode out from the inside, a la Ant Man and Thanos. Um, the, the rumor from uh, Endgame. Yes. He kills that guy. Oh, yeah. Um, he full-on kills that guy. Yeah, there are just pieces all over the place, and he's covered in, like, purple blood, and it looks super gross. It really does. It, and you're like, what is this dude's power deal thing? But he describes that he's, like, in a liquid form, and he didn't know he didn't want to be drunk. Yeah, um, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be drunk either. <laughs> Um, so he, he, he cleans up and we realize that he, in his like normal form, he's got like almost like tattoos or like weird markings all over his body. And I think this is like the one time we get to see him in his, his like true form. Yeah, pretty much. And then looking for Ilyana, they're the, the checking the, the paper database. Um, and then 
we cut to outside somewhere where uh, a guard is walking around and um, Mando is hiding against the wall, like sort of absorbed into the wall um, and uh, absorbs this dude, which I don't know why he did it. He just sort of does it, but it just showcases more of his powers. Yeah. Who knows why he um, murdered a dude? Um, he just sort of does it to keep him quiet, maybe? I don't yeah, know. <laughs> it's weird. And then we see Quietus walking around again, and we're not really sure what's going on, uh, but we realize that Husk has uh, sort of mimicked the the shape of Quietus's head, but she doesn't have the body mask to fill out the whole costume. So Vicente, in his gaseous form, is like blowing up the costume, a la having like a fan inside a suit. And I imagine if this were really to happen, you would see it like ripple and flow, and people would right away like be suspicious. But it's comics, so we go with it. Uh, what do you think of this plan? The, it's very slapstick, and it's it's kind of fun. And I feel like it should have worked all the way, but we'll see. Yeah. So they're they're inspecting, and they come across um, Skin and Chamber, who are in line to go to work. And uh, Quietus decides he's going to take these two away, and he's got something better for them to do. Any 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 comments on this page? It's a really nice sort of. I like the fact that the skin just like hits in the side of the face with his fingers. <laughs> yeah, skin with that that great like, not quite Joker smile, but you know, shitting grin on on his face is wonderful. And then we we go back down below, and Ilyana gets woken up by this random mutant who can just like spit out a a, a water fountain. <laughs> I don't really know. Uh, and he cares to try it, of course. But uh, to, to wake up Ilyana, and she's like, oh, I guess I'm still alive. Here's another day. And that's the end of issue number two. I, I really enjoy like the interplay between Quietus and uh, Husk. Um, I, I like the, the plan they have with, with her and Vicente. Um, I like seeing just how brutal Shadowcat and Colossus are. But it... I wouldn't say it's quite as good as the first issue. I, I feel like this is really where the story starts, and it's a, it's a little bit of a yeah. slow start. Yeah, it's just getting. It feels like it's just maneuvering the pieces, mm-hmm. place. But I feel like there's enough there, and there's enough fun visually, especially just oh, yeah. to like enjoy the whole thing. It's not a bad issue, but it's not like the the punch to the face the first issue was. No. Yes. Moving on uh, with. Generation next issue three. We we have a fungo with Mondo bursting out of some bricks, um, while he's throttling a guy with a third eye that's shining. Um, you ever see Avatar, uh, the last Airbender? Yes, it's the guy that. Yes, it's the exploded combustion combustion dude. Yeah, it's just like that. Yeah. And um, it again, it's like it's really lovely image. Um, and it is basically just describing what's going to happen, a, a scene that's happening in the in the issue. Um, that's kind of what these cover, these last two covers are. It's just like, this is what happens in the issue. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah. The, the only unfortunate part about this cover is, once again, like that weird digital like background that sort of sticks out uh, in a, sort of an ugly way. Yeah, and... What I do like about this cover, though, uh, this issue, though, is when we start this issue, the um, creatives are spray painted on some piping. Oh yeah, it's great. 
and we have uh, Chamber and Skin just sit, waiting, sitting around, waiting for the moment in this astonishing... Because of that three-headed dude, it feels like a fantasy world. Um, yes. Um, there's like a three-headed mutant monster um, and a giant tower and loads of people doing manual labor. It's like a fusion of like industrialization meets like fantasy. Yeah, um, it's, it's like a three-headed ogre with spikes all over him. Exactly. And then there's this guy who's sort of looking around and um, when his little eye opens, he screams violation, violation at this young girl um, who was just handed some food by her dad who is now dead because of the um, three-eyed guy. And she throws a stone at him and he freaks out and uh, goes to kill her. And... Like Chamber and Skin are seeing this from afar, and they're not very happy. Like Chamber's definitely ready to like jump in and kick the shit out of someone, um, but it's okay because Mondo's there to um, be a part of the wall and knock him to his death. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> like literally kills him. Like these, these pages are great because you really feel for the girl. You understand Chamber, and then there's this nice comedic moment where, where Mondo pushes him off. And the dude who's getting, he's falling off, he says, think I can, pull myself up, think I can. And Mondo goes, psst, you can't. I can't? Nope. And then he falls to his death. It's a nice little joke. It is. And I do really like what they do with Mondo here. And it's a shame that he isn't in the series proper more. Right. It's like, because I think his power is a really interesting visual Mm -hmm. effect. Then we move over to, um, Husk and Fizenti, uh trying to be Quietus and they're just talking to each other while trying to, in his office trying to get all of the information they need his mini, and then the mini secretary is trying to stop um, someone from coming in because I, I love this visual of Fizenti coming out of the clothes as gas and talking to her um, oh yeah, his and powers she, and really body. let Bacolo once again just like go for broke like art wise and another character that lets him go for broke is Sugarman, because um, yeah, there's no stopping Sugarman. He's gonna if he wants a meeting with you, he's coming, and he is a grotesque, moda. Like like you said, he's like a little squat thing, but he reminds me kind of Modok as well. Mm-hmm. He's, he's got four arms for no apparent reason, and two of them are basically behind his head. Right. Um, and he is just monstrous, and he's carrying the tiny granny receptionist, <laughs> who's like a really small in comparison oh yeah um, I love his costume he even has like little buttons all over it little knobs and like buckles it's even has like a like a Thor like hammer that he carries with him it's really detailed it is he's got like and there's blurred on the hammer obviously because mm-hmm. he's evil and um Vicente's not around and Sugarman's like that's weird and then he goes into like shower and Vicente you mean Quietus Quietus, sorry, yes, I keep saying. Well, technically it is Vicente as well. But the Aquitus is in the shower with Hus pretending, uh, just standing on her tiptoes with his so that her head his head like pops up. And um it's a really neat little visual, especially when they're in the shower. Right. Where sort of on his shoulders and he's got a gun pointed in the direction and he's making the bubble bath um happen. And they're just all talking. And he, they, at the very end, um, 
as Sugar Man leaves, uh, Husk decides to uh, get it on. Because why not? Yeah. For her, when she's scared, she gets horny. So she's like, uh, you know, chambering around. So I'm going to have to smooch you up. And Vicente is not like, he's he's a little uh, scared. <laughs> he, d- he doesn't seem, he doesn't seem happy. No. Um, but he's not saying no. Um <laughs> And then we cut to outside the fortress, and in the, from the sky, um, people seem to forget that Kitty can do this. But um, Kitty uh, brings Colossus in because she she make people light as her air, so they float in to the um, base and then phase into said base. Um, and then we we cut to well, it basically looks like hell, but we cut to the underground where Iliana is doing work with everyone else holding boulders and throwing them off the edge because that's what they do, mean, meaningless tasks. And then um, her friend gets pushed off by accident, well, on purpose, it would seem. Mm-hmm. And Mondo, save, Mondo comes out of the uh, sort of wall and saves her friend from falling to her death. And we get the nice, then, like he's the heart of the team, kind of. Like he's the... Yeah. Really, you're like, oh, this Mondo would be a nice fit in the in the regular book. I mean, you just mentioned it like two minutes ago, but you really feel, you know, when you have like the gentle Hulk, that's sort of the, the vibe you get from Mondo here. Yeah, it's, it's a really nice sort of juxtaposition between all the other bloodthirsty characters. Mm-hmm. And talking of bloodthirsty, Chamber decides to like fire, set the other guy on, the guy who just pushed the girl um, on fire with his blasts and Skin's like we probably shouldn't do that um, because we'll get noticed and then um, Quietus is there like behind them and then all of a sudden um, like Quietus is saying it's me Paige and then he she knocks knocks him out because Sugar Man turns out turns up and um, outside well where Kitty and Klosses are uh, no all turn, turns up and apparently if she turns up it must be really serious because she wouldn't risk mm-hmm. everyone being infected. And um, she tells them about, oh, it's all gone to shit in there. And then we have these massively colourful um, cast of villains that the Sugar Man has as his like, sort of soldiers. And it's all getting a bit sort of, well, why don't you kill them, uh, Quietus, and like prove your loyalty to me kind of moment. And um, that's when Mondo's like, well, I found Ileana, so I'm just going to take her. So he absorbs Ileana into her, then goes, just leaves the scenario. And um, this, I really like the phasing panels, by the way, because we have um, Colossus and Kitty decide that it's time to go in. So Colossus, um, Kitty phases into Colossus, and he jumps through. And we have this panel um, of him like sort of going through the granite and brick. Right, and it's at this point that they decide they're going to take off their disguises and go in in their costumes, like their normal fighting yeah. costumes. And to be honest, not much difference um, in either. And then we cut back to Sugar Man um, pressuring Paige to shoot Chamber, and it all ends with a bam. We kind of um, rushed through this issue, but like, there's so much... Fine. No, 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 it's fine. It's just so much artwork and like detail that like we could get into. Like uh, you mentioned the, the page where uh, Sugar Man has all his colorful henchmen around and you've got like the stars going around Jono because he's knocked out and it's like colorful little like goblin dude with a, like a smiley face 
a vest and like a machine gun who's like parroting everything that Sugarman's saying and it's like creepy and bloodthirsty and it's like you feel the grit and grind but it feels almost like a sci-fi fantasy sort of a, a world it's like it feels real you know like this over exaggerated world feels like oh i can imagine this actually taking place like bacalo is like, doing he's doing god's work here you know and it's really nice to see some like sort of interesting visual ideas like um when noah all appears she's sort of superimposed over the bricks mm-hmm. and seafood right and, but she kind of warps the bricks behind her and like i said when Colossus is phasing through it's a really interesting panel like just the, like the typical chamber effect of the fire it's, it's just nice to see oh yeah like it's like a almost like a fiery version of cyclops blasting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and then you've got anything that happens with what uh, mondo is just just lovely to look at oh he's yeah so in, like he's part gravel part dirt giant three-fingered hands that kind of bizarre level of detail going on oh yeah I mean, but it's a really just beautiful looking book. To be fair, the I think you know issue one was a great introduction. Issue two laid a lot of the groundwork. Issue three is like the story really kicks off, and you really feel the danger they're in by the end of issue three. And uh, like, I, it's not like I enjoyed three more than two. In I think issue two was a, a necessity, right? You really need to put yeah. the pieces in order. But this is. Maybe it is a little bit more enjoyable in issue two because you get to see a little bit more action, a little bit more interaction. Exactly. I think it's a really good, solid um, issue. All right. Which moves us on to our finale. Right. And this is, yeah. uh, On the cover, we have Apocalypse. uh, Apocalypse. We have Colossus, like, full-on rage, fighting all these monsters with, like green sludge and blood and slime and everyone's getting beat to hell and it's a like a gruesome gruesome page here yeah it's really like sort of it does feel like a last stand for him mm-hmm. he's got some torn but again it's just this you could pour over this for hours and find new details mm-hmm. like find find new like he's literally um i feel like he's crushed someone ripped someone's sort of hair off mm-hmm <laughs> in one hand um, there's just loads of people that just look like they've been beaten to death or bent round yeah I mean we've got all like there's a stop sign in the upper left corner that you really have to pay attention to to see and like old shoes thrown around the little bits and bobs I mean it's it's everything you want from Bacolo here it is and I really like the colour work like the it's really like sort of still kind of going with the reds and burnt oranges with like mm. this sort of hell oh yeah hell atmosphere like if issue three if if the covers from the previous books got you know progressively darker this is you know they're in the shit now this is the bad stuff yeah so this much. issue is narrated by Ilyana, who is talking about how much she sort of misses her brother and, and knows that one day she'll come and save him and this first page okay. oh go ahead oh you, no i'm gonna see what you've got to say about this first page go on Oh, I just love um, the layouts here. And even, like, everything is cut into little triangles as you're looking at different pieces of Liliana, like, zoomed in on her, her, like, smiley face watch, and it zooms out and zooms out again, and there's some music going around. And even, like, the, the, 
the empty space behind them has like this weird scaly texture. It, it you know, we, we've seen a lot of interesting um, composition in Generation X, and I don't think we really talked about it that much in Generation Next, but this first page is like, boom, like I'm going to have some, some fun with shapes. Yeah, it really is. And I do like the sort of um, homage to Watchmen. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The smiley face zoom out. So it was nice, and the fact that that's so bright compared to the blue, cool blues that she's sleeping on. Right. But it's, it generally is a really interesting, like the world, some sort of weird triangle life form. Yes. <laughs> and, and you know, the next next page or two pages, a double page spread of Ilyana, like really young, like six year old. You know, however old she is, Ilyana inside Mondo and he's humming so that she hears music and it's all like shattered triangles again and like all these colorful musical notes like melodically flowing through these pages I, this might be like the best pay, two pages of the book uh, of the, ser- the series to be honest they are really beautifully handled all the points like where she sees a crack of um, light and pushes her hand through it um Right. It really is. It really easily um, catches the eye and allows you to follow the story pretty simply, mm-hmm. even though they're all triangles, essentially yeah. shattered triangles around the page. And unfortunately, she sticks her hand right through Mondo, who's pretending to be the guard. Uh, I guess that he absorbed before. So that's yeah. why he he ate that guard so that he could look like him later on. Um, but unfortunately, people see that hand sticking out of him. And uh, this is where, you know, it's hard to blame her, but if there's a big reason why things go badly, this is, this is one of them. Because the other guards see, and uh, there's going to be a fight. And we cut to Quietus, and another double-page spread with Quietus and skins underneath him, and chambers on the ground, and Sugar Man's front and center, giant and gruesome, and all his henchmen in the background, detailed and colorful. There's even like a Frankenstein-looking guy behind him. <laughs> Um, I also I love the fact that there's like a little green guy on his on his on his head, and that his oh, like, yeah. hammer's got sugar. He's got like a tattoo that says sugar, and his hammer says sugar on it. Yeah, um, everyone looks crazy. I love the orange guy right in the background. Oh yeah, like spiky hair. <laughs> this is right out of some weird monster book, you know. Um, but they sort of uh, quite as or rather uh, Sugar Man kind of realizes that Quietus isn't who he thinks, and he uses his tongue power to like go right through Quietus slash um, Husk's abdomen and into the brick behind, which forces Vicente to like leak out like gas and the jig is up. And unfortunately, Vicente is like really hurt and he's not supposed to be able to be hurt in his uh, gaseous form, but he is. And Husk sort of changes to a normal uniform and the fight is on. And it's, it's kind of a shame because Vicente is only sparingly used in this book and we haven't seen him before and we don't really get to see him used anymore uh in the book so that was i mean it's, it's disappointing that we don't get to see him more but it, it makes sense for the story i i think um it's kind of like maybe just put him off the board because he's maybe uh, too powerful mm-hmm. or maybe the too hard to uh, draw slash constantly sure. have learn around maybe mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely does feel that way. 
and they're about to get in into it with uh, Sugar Man, but then there's a like a blast from behind them, and they look up and uh, Chamber has like blown up part of the mountain here, and then starts like shooting uh, these little goblin dudes, and then Skin, who once again is able to use his powers in unique ways, like a flap of his forehead skin juts out and like uh, impales this dude from from behind. You're like, oh wow, this is a uh, this skin is also ruthless and. You never would have thought, you know, Generation X skin could do something like this. I never thought actual skin would do that, but... Um, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's yeah. really... I really like it, because it's like that typical shudder, shadowy image of, mm-hmm. we don't show killing, but he's clearly murdered a dude. Yes. <laughs> and they track down Sugar uh, Man, and Jonah blasts him to hell, and you see, like, his remains on the ground, like his, his rib bones sticking up, and... Jonah's suspicious that maybe he survived. Um, and we see that Sente is sort of knocked out and Husk is going to carry him. And once again, the composition here is like all these like intricately cut panels that zigzag back and forth down the page. Uh, and they're really easy to follow, but they're also, you know, quite interesting. And at the end of this page, we see Colossus is here and he's, he's telling them they need to get his sister out now. And so... Uh, Jono and Skin go looking for little Ilyana. Do you want to? Yeah. yeah. So. And then a tiny, tiny sugar man comes out of the um, dead, massive sugar man. Yeah, so we never really know what his powers are, but it, it feels like he can never really be killed. He's like a, a cockroach when the, the mother is killed, the little babies like scurry out from under inside of him. So. Yeah. It's weird. Um, and then we cut to, to to Mondo fighting these other guards, and he like knocks them both off off the uh, the cliff here. And uh, <laughs> another little joke of like, because uh, one of the guards like kill him, kill him, hit him, hit him, and Mondo knocks the the beastly guy off the edge. And then the other guards like, uh, didn't you hear me telling him to stop hitting you, right? And then Mondo knocks him off. So <laughs> he's given a little comedic uh, moments here. And after that happens. Ilyana's friend's like, please, Mondo, save me too. He doesn't know if he can, but he really tries to take her out uh, with him. But unfortunately, Sugar Man shows up and like shatters Mondo and takes Ilyana. And I'm not really sure if that kills Mondo or just like knocks him back into the rubble because we've seen him turn into rubble before. But we have hints that Sugar Man's tongue might be, I don't know, supernatural in a way that really is harmful to these people so mondo could just be dead like tongue to death here yeah sugar man's just a really weird thing mm-hmm. in general. but he's, but, he's gruesome and ugly and he really services the plot but also visually is, is something you're not like tired to look at no, no. luckily and I, I, oh, go ahead yeah i adore this i adore this panel of uh What's about to happen? <laughs> Colossus, you know, jumps in from from the off screen and just slams feet first in the Sugar Man and grabs Liana. And I, I think you and I both really like Colossus. And this is a moment, you know, this isn't his best series, but this is a great great moment for him. Yeah, I really like the whole like he just looks like a killer made of metal has <laughs> just landed on this guy's brain. Um, there's a real sense of like weight to what the actions here, and that's all Macalow. Oh yeah, all the time. 
we get more of these these triangles going around and showing Colossus just beating Sugar Man to hell. And once again, Sugar Man is dead with his like ribs sticking up and his hands sticking up. And we have an angle sort of looking up from the body at Colossus, who is victorious. And Ilyana has been narrating everything, and she's sort of shocked by by what's what's going on here. But, I love how dis- disproportionate Ileana is to everything else that's oh, going yeah. on. Like she only just fits into his hand, mm-hmm. like because Klaus is so big in this. Mm-hmm. And he's he's all about getting his his sister out. That's all that really matters. Um, and you know, Chambers trying to save the other girl. Husk is holding Vicente on her back because he's he's about to die and. All hell breaks out because the humans have revolted and they're fighting all these goblins. And just another page of like intricate detail of color and ugliness and violence happening here. And goblins on mobile fans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they call for backup, which is important to note. Yes. And it is really, really intense. Like mm. It just looks like a cluster fuck of bodies yeah. <laughs> mangling together. Um. Yeah, and our heroes are just like, let us get out of this, because this looks like death. Mm-hmm. And they're like, all right, we stay together. Klaus says, we stay together, we stay sharp, and we'll, we'll get out of here. And you kind of have this slight hope, like, you know, X-Men don't just die. And they're all together now, and Klaus actually feels like a leader. So maybe they're going to make it out of here. Um, and Klaus gets attacked from the back, which is when Kitty snicks her way out of Colossus, doesn't, you know, cut him, but phases out and snicks and slices this dude. And that gives the other goblins uh, an opportunity to grab that little kid that Chamber was was watching. Then Chamber gets grabbed and Skin goes to save him. And all of a sudden they're in all the carnage. And Kitty's like, go on ahead, I'll go after the boys. And this is where Colossus really starts to become ugly inside. Not just become, but really manifest its ugliness inside, where he prioritizes prioritizes getting Ilyana out, out of you know. Most of all, which leads to them escaping with Husk carrying Vicente, whose heart is stopped, and we have this nice narration from Ilyana, who, who mentions just how sad she looks and how she'll never forget Husk's face as they they float away, and you know everyone sort of being killed around them uh you know when i was a kid this this felt like a really this is a really touching page for me it was like oh this is not going to be a happy ending i the characters (laughs) i love are not going to make it out of here did you and uh, it's quite it's it's very it's kind of like a sad sort of because it's more it feels more like a portrayal yes exactly than a like but then he has always taught them on the first issue that you know you have to survive no matter what and the mission means everything so but it's totally his his priorities have totally um corrupted because it's about his sister right more than anything and like kitty calling him selfish is totally true and i feel really bad like the narration's really on point where these like monstrous trolls are beating people to death and um at this point, you kind of think that Jono and Skinner just murdered, and to leave Paige behind with a dead body on her back, right? And it's sad. And then with what happens next, with Cross is like, "Why are you making us tangible? Keep making us, you know, you have to get her 
back to Magneto. It's the mission. Right. And, and Kitty's like, no, we can't just abandon the, the kids. I'm, I'm going to go back. You, you take your sister out. And he's like, no, I'll go back. You have to keep Liana safe. And, you know, he, you feel like maybe, maybe once again, this little, little, little sliver of hope that maybe Colossus, this giant beast of a steel man can go in and save, save his team. Cause he, he jumps down on these two guards we saw earlier and smashes them and is racing towards the door and it's about to close. But, you know, Colossus is not going to, he's a hero. He's going to save him, but he gets them. The door is like two inches open and he can't really hold it open. And the last thing he sees is, you know, the last surviving member of his team, Husk, whose one arm is turning into a, like a blast and she's getting pulled down and all these goblins all around her and these giant hands are coming in on her. And she's looking not at the goblins, but she's looking at Colossus like in disdain and disgust about what he did to all of them. And at the end, he sort of can't take what he did. No, and he just sort of kneels there in front of the doors. It's closed. Mm-hmm. all. And as a kid reading this, I was like, oh, my God, they did this. And it was a little hard to believe, but I feel like the, the poignancy of this moment and the, the ferocity of the world and everything, it, it really makes for a satisfying story. Even if it's not a happy end, you feel like where they started and Colossus's priorities and he's like you know this is a suicide mission in the end it really does become a suicide mission it's a nice almost like full circle of of from where they started off exactly and i, I do feel like um crosses kind of gets his comeuppance in the in the sort of end of age of apocalypse anyway right and after Colossus sees his team killed he goes back to where kitty is and says i'm sorry but they're they're all dead and um, we we see that Sugar Man has escaped within the boot of Colossus, and so he's going to be around. And uh, end of the issue. So, what did you think? Any, anything else you want to add about this issue? I feel like it's just on point. Like it's a good sort of suicide mission done right, mm-hmm. but in like a because it's all the whole point of this universe is to sort of subvert our expectations of our heroes and change them and Colossus has always been the sort of heart and soul right. of the teams he's on so to have him being completely heartless and soulless <laughs> is quite a change and I think watching all our kids get murdered um, it's quite I feel like it maybe should focus a little bit more on the um, individual sort of deaths, but I'll just, I suppose getting lost in the fray is just as good, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think it's definitely a strong series, and it's a, just a really satisfying way to end the whole thing. Right, right. Being that, just deaded. That, that, <laughs> that panel of, of Paige, like, looking into camera with the, the hands coming onto her is just so striking. So, like, you really feel the emotion yeah, pretty much is is the um, it's just a, it's just an unfortunate time <laughs> for the X Men hmm. right there. Poor Generation X. I, I think it's one of the most emotive panels of of the whole series. Mm-hmm. You can really feel like I hate you. Oh yeah, you bastard. <laughs> um, coming straight off that 
for sure. So how do you want to rate this, Dan, uh, or scale of, of one to five? I think it's beautiful to look at. Um, I'd say five, because I don't think it's a full perfect across, um, sort of across the board. I think it's like perfect, but it's definitely um, uh, a good four out of five. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's... Um, because I think issue two is probably like a high three. Right. And the rest of them... Like the first issue I'd say is a five and then the rest are maybe fours. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's definitely like a four out of five. Totally go read it. Um, it looks amazing all the way through. Um, the story's fast, um, character-based, and packs right. kind of a punt. So Yeah, definitely packs a punch. I think from issue three, like issue three and four, really fast-paced in a good way. Like there's all... Diff- different characters in different places doing things and it, they sort of push things forward fast so we can get to the ending but in a like, almost like a fun way you're like you're you're into it you're into the story uh you're not like sad about everything that's happening until the very end you, you you're encouraged that maybe they'll pull this out i i think i might go like four and a half on this um just because maybe the n- nostalgia hits me more than hits you but i, I feel like as a full story, this has like a full, like a, a beginning, middle, and end to the team. Well, a lot of the other books are just like they're doing stuff that leads into Omega, which obviously this leads into Omega, but our characters have like an arc here, even if it's a a, a bitter end arc. Yeah, this one feels like a far more of a um, sort of complete idea than the rest. <laughs> right. I do. Isn't it Generation Next that sort of is the second sort of chapter? Cause it kicks off in in Alpha and then it's straight to Generation X and then straight to Because they're all in a timeline, aren't they? Like a specific timeline they've all been put together as. And I yeah. think Generation X is one of the first ones. It's a good book. Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely go go read it if you like anything Bacalo. Like you'll you'll love how this book looks. Yes, definitely. So just a sort of not to um, leave anyone with any blue balls here. Uh, the Age of Apocalypse does come to an end. Uh, Magneto is able to kill Apocalypse and they're able to set things right. But I think it's worth touching on that in Omega, Colossus is even more of like a zealot uh, about his sister. And which ends up getting his, his wife Kitty killed because he's, he goes in a rage to save Ilyana and he in his blind rage, doesn't see Kitty in front of him. And Kitty thinks, you know, I don't need to phase because there's no way he's going to, like, hurt me. But he doesn't really see her and stomps her to death. And then Gambit uh, kills uh, Colossus in Retribution. Yep, very much. And, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's fitting. And also because as he lays dying, he asks Ilyana to stay with him in sort of the way that his team wanted him to, you know, save him. But Ilyana gets whisked away because she has other things, like the mission is more important. It's like a, a fitting end for him as well. Yeah. It's poetic justice on mm. Exactly. Um, but yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's all the books this time. I, I really love talking about this Generation Next book. I think it really holds up. You no, know, you said Astonishing as well. I think these are the two that, if you're going to read any, I would read... These these two series. 
Yes, definitely. They are the ones that sort of like stand out from the crowd mm-hmm. um, compared to a lot of them. The, the, the whole, to be honest, or if you're an ex-fan or if you just like comics, visiting probably one of the most iconic 90s events right. is probably um, a good thing, a good way to start. Because let's be honest, Age of Apocalypse is just something that everyone will remember. So Yeah. I mean, we, we, we mentioned at the start, it's, a well-planned, thought-out, executed event. Even if everything is imperfect, it, it 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 can be bloated if you go to read everything. I mean, there's I don't know, like thirty issues, you know, comprising six different series or something like that. But you know, it it feels like there was an architect behind this and they knew what they were doing. And there's a start, middle, and end, and it ends, and you're back to normal. Whereas, you know, Age of of X Men feels even though it's I don't know, is it less issues or more issues? It feels like an utter clusterfuck. It is, it's more issues. And they try. it's basically just trying to mimic the same style and it's just not working. Mm-hmm. But there you go. There we go. So that was uh, Generation Next. On our next episode, I think we're going to jump back to our regular reading order. We've got, um, uh, I think it must be Generation X number five. Or is it four? I think it's five. And uh, it's mm-hmm. and we'll have an ex- a regular Excalibur book, and we'll have our Exiles back as well. So, right. back to normal. Still be good and fun. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're, you know, we we're, we're sort of shooting this out into the void, hoping people are listening. And if you are listening and you have any comments, where where can they reach us, Dan? Um, at Excalibur's one on Twitter is probably the best way. To- to talk to us um we'd love to hear like what you think of age of apocalypse or even age of x-man or um whatever you want to talk about if you think that closet deserves to be murdered for his horrible actions or if you just didn't like it at all and thought it was just a barrel bag of wank um <laughs> um i'd like to hear any kind of like what any of you thought to be fair yeah yeah we'd love to hear what anyone uh Anyone thinks about this issue, artwork, story, loved it, hated it, indifferent. Um, You know, it'd be interesting to know, like we lived through this era, if someone, you know, much younger was reading this for the first time, how they would think about the art, the story, the characters, you know? Yeah, that would be interesting. Let's see. All right. Be some young young fans to uh, show it to. Yeah, it'd be, be, you know, I wouldn't ask you to like, make Ian read this but it'd be interesting to see what, what he his thoughts were even if it's just like flipping through you know yeah because he totally hasn't doesn't know it. he knows what the Age of Apocalypse is thanks to video games but that's about it <laughs> <laughs> alrighty well um, that was uh, it for this week any last words Dan um, no just go out and read some good comics that's all I've been saying all right, Dan, uh, you brought it up. Name three comics that people should be reading outside of these. Three comics that they should be reading outside of these. Um, X-Men Red, because I'm just about to reread it again, hmm. um, which is if you want some X-Men. Uh, go read, if, if you feel like you want to read some DC, go out and um, read uh, New Frontier, because it's the best superhero comic of all time. Hmm. Um, um, for something slightly different, I'd say read the first two volumes of Deadly Class, and then uh, just to just to honour the fact that the poor show has been cancelled. Um, yeah, unfortunately, it it was a pretty good show. 
yeah, I, I've only got through like two episodes, but I, I was looking forward to seeing a lot of it, but clearly not. <laughs> clearly, that's not going to be the case. Yeah, Deadly yeah. Class is another sort of auteur's book where the the artwork really takes precedent. Um, it's it's a really unique art style that I really enjoy as well. Similar, like it's not similar to Bacalo, but it's it's quite out there in the way that Bacalo's artwork can be out there. Yeah, because artistically, the three books, um, obviously, um, Mahmoud Azhar does red to begin with, and that's a great visual. And no one, um, Darren Cook is one of the greats. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, the class, I generally have just forgotten their name. I think it's Dead Craig. Is- His last name is Craig. What, like Wes Craig, I think. Oh, Wes Craig, yeah. Um, yeah, it's such a kinetic. And um, it kind of reminds me of the Gorillas. The yeah. Band, yeah. Uh, visuals. Um, but they're all very different styles and they're all great styles to uh, have appreciate and they're all great stories mm-hmm. um so go out and have some fun yeah those are all great recommendations i'd fully endorse all three of those all right so uh that's it for this week and we'll see you next time bye bye okay 